Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to the Monday edition of John Solomon Reports. We're in Washington, D.C. We are less than 48 hours from the peaceful transition of power from the Trump administration to the Biden administration. The city is locked down. I'll tell you, my office is right near the White House, and uh, it is quite a adventure to, to get uh, parking and then walk quite a ways beyond all the incredible National Guardsmen and Guardswomen that are out there protecting the streets for us. Uh, it's funny, every time I go by one of the blockades and talk to the soldiers, they are so cheerful, they're so polite, they're so committed to their jobs. And even though it does look like a war zone right now with all of the military hardware and uniform officers out, the, um, the sense of patriotism, the sense of pride in America, even even in the midst of all of our disagreements, is so palpable when you talk to one of the one or more of these incredible guardsmen. And I, I'm just reminded today that for all that we fight over, for all that we finger point over, for all that we're frustrated by, uh, this country still is the greatest country in the world, and the people it produces, particularly those men and women in uniform, are remarkable and they are a reflection of what our founding fathers intended when we created this great experiment that we call America. Uh, all you need to do is have a couple conversations with these incredible men and women in uniform and you instantly smile. You instantly feel pride, even when you're tired and angry and frustrated and don't feel like, well, the election may not have gone your way or, or the, uh, there's not enough accountability in Russia. And we can agree with all those things uh, or debate all those things for sure. Uh, but you can't uh, disagree. There has to be some pretty extraordinary unanimity that this great country produces some of the most amazing men and women you'll ever see, particularly those in uniform. And they make us proud today as they stand out in the freezing cold here in Washington, D.C. and keep this city safe, keep it peaceful as we uh, approach the final moments of the transition of power from the Trump presidency to the uh, Biden presidency. And uh, on our site today, there are lots of stories about what Joe Biden is planning to do as president. It's important to understand his agenda, his priorities, uh, what's going to change, what's going to stay the same. And what we've done today is try to bring someone uh, in who has been right at the forefront of the transition the chief of staff to Defense Secretary Chris Miller. You know him from earlier podcasts here. Cash Patel has been on this show before, uh, first as a National Security Council uh, staffer, uh, key to the fight on terrorism, including uh, the important takeouts of uh, terrorist leaders across the world that the president accomplished, the um, 
recovery, safe recovery of many American hostages around the world. Kash Patel has been on those front lines with the president the last couple of years. And before that, he worked with Devin Nunez on the House Intelligence Committee and was the man, the investigator who uncovered the plot to unseat the president, the false Russia collusion narrative. He and a guy named Damon Nelson and, of course, the Congressman Nunez himself played a vital role in uh, in uncovering, unraveling, you know, the false story that gripped this town for two, two and a half years. So Cash is going to be here to talk about it. We want to talk about all the narratives. Did the um, president and not provide transition like some of the Biden people were whispering anonymously. Always be suspicious when you see anonymous stories, uh, particularly when they're not fact-based, they're, they're backstabbing stories. They're almost always um, a, uh, a political hack jog and not a real um, uh, factual story. Uh, Cash Patel is gonna tell us the truth about what happened in the transition. I've looked at the statistics that the Pentagon has achieved and it did more than any other prior um, administration uh, in, in facilitating a transition, including interviews, documents, uh, all the sort of things that needed to be done. And remember, the Pentagon was doing that while also uh, shipping out 35 million doses of the life-saving COVID vaccine and uh, um, dealing with uh, our troops overseas, trying to get the final numbers down in Iraq and in Afghanistan to the numbers the president promised, and they got there. We're under 2,500 troops in both those locations. In fact, there are five to 10 times more troops in Washington, D.C. right now guarding the streets of the nation's capital than there are patrolling in Afghanistan and Iraq, a remarkable accomplishment. And that had to go on while the transition was going on, while the vaccine rollout was going on. And uh, you'll hear from Cash in a second, but also Defense Secretary, Acting Defense Secretary Miller, spent a lot of time going out and visiting the troops and letting them know the people in Washington, even with all of our strife, with all of our partisan bickering, our squabbles and elections and, and recriminations all around the world, that the American people, the civilian leadership of the Pentagon, the President of the United States, uh, value our troops. And that message was delivered from, from Thanksgiving to Christmas and just constant travel by Cash Patel and his boss, Chris Miller, the defense secretary. And we're going to hear a little bit about that. I think that's a really important uh, thing to keep in mind that all the troops that are still deployed, whether in Germany, Bahrain, Kuwait, uh, uh, Baghdad, uh, Kandahar, uh, we have a remarkable uh, men and women there, and it was worth our time to salute them. And it was remarkable that our defense secretary, in one of the busiest times in, in American history, found the time to go express that time and again to troops on the front lines. You're going to hear that from Cash Patel. Of course, we're going to ask him about the impending release of documents. Yes, we broke that on Thursday on this podcast. And I believe this afternoon or this evening, the president will be able to deliver to the American people the copies of the documents, the news in them. We've talked about them, what's on them, what I expect the news to be. Uh, we'll be on that day and night today and tomorrow into Wednesday morning, even as we bring you other important uh, news stories. The other thing I want to talk to Cash Patel about and I want to put in perspective is the real story of what happened with the National Guardsmen, why the Pentagon before January 6th, before the Capitol siege, offered troops, what sort of response they got, uh, and what lessons we can learn from it. The Pentagon, President Trump, Chris Miller, Cash Patel were offering the Capitol Police troops and they were getting the answer, we don't need it. 
And the question is, why would they say that? Now, we've heard the Capitol Police Chief say that some of the members in Congress, the Sergeant at Arms, may have been worried about the optics of having troops in the Capitol. We still don't know, and this is troubling, we don't know what Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi said to the Sergeant at Arms, whether they weighed in at all. But I think one of the things is, no matter who did what, what failures were made, as we go forward, there's a lesson to be learned here. There needs to be better intelligence on the front lines. There needs to be uh, better communication. And uh, there needs to be better understanding by mayors and governors and uh, Capitol Police chiefs and sergeant-at-arms that mobilizing the National Guard takes some time. And so if you need it, do it in advance. Don't wait until after the, uh, a bad situation has unfolded or begun unfolding to ask for the help. The Pentagon, according to their own timeline, repeatedly offered help starting on January 4th, two days in advance. We're going to talk to Cash Patel. Why did they do it? What drove them to do that? What lessons are already being learned? What lessons need to be learned long-term? These are really important questions and no one better than Cash Patel, the chief of staff to the acting defense secretary, former counterterrorism prosecutor, former chief of counterterrorism at the National Security Council, a very skilled and talented man, also the man who worked in Congress in the House Intelligence Committee to unravel the story that was bogus that we now call Russia collusion. All right, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, Cash Patel exclusively here with John Solomon Reports. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest. For the last several months, he's been working as the chief of staff to the defense secretary, Chris Miller. Before that, uh, he worked at the National Security Council, uh, working on uh, the most important counterterrorism cases in the world. And before that, he was one of the most important investigators on the House Intelligence Committee for Congressman Rep. Uh, Devin Nunes. So uh, joining us right now is Cash Patel. Cash, welcome to the show. John, thanks for having me on, and thanks for that uh, overly kind introduction. I'm well, sure I've heard it, but I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. This is fun. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. Well, you've done so many amazing things in the last couple of years, but the, probably the most important thing you've been working on the last few days has been the transition from President Trump to President elect Biden. And I know there's been a lot of media reporting suggesting that well, the Pentagon was dragging his feet. Tell us the real story. How has the transition gone with the Biden team? Um, it's gone better than any transition in modern history. And the statistics sort of speak for themselves. You know, as soon as the White House and the GSA authorized the transition process, again, we immediately, as I noted in my op-ed, uh, authorized full cooperation and execution of the transition process to provide the transition team. And we did this under a very stressful environment, given that COVID had reduced 40% of our workforce at the Department of Defense. Wow. But we met all their metrics for interviews and RFIs and produced thousands of pieces of information, pages, excuse me. And I personally called the head of their transition the second it was authorized and said, 
Here all here's all my contact info, personal info, email. Please call, text, email anytime. And I called her from Bahrain. The secretary and I were serving holiday meals to our troops. And um, after that call, I never heard from anyone on the Biden transition team. Wow. Not once. Not once, even though you left them an open mic to call anytime they want it, yep. right? Wow. Yes. So what do you think, what, where did these reports come from that there was a delay and that there was foot dragging? Um, you, you say, obviously, you didn't see any of that. In fact, you had the open door and you've put out a timetable showing the cooperation. Where do you think those anonymous reports came from? Uh, probably the same quarters where they always come from to gin up uh, fake news, to attack um, the work. And I don't care if they attack me, but they, they were attacking the careers. And those are the folks running the transition process. I'm only the head of it by regulation. Right. There's no choice about it. The chief of staff of the Department of Defense is the head of all transition. But we have a career department or, excuse me, group within the department <coughs> that has been conducting this uh, process like crows. And then they, denig- they, they denigrate them with their fake news stories. And then when you come out and write an op-ed, people comment as to, well, why did you have to write an op-ed if you were doing it? And I said, we've been doing it the entire time, taking on your criticism, but I thought the American people should know that we've actually done the work that that is required for a peaceful transition of power, and they should have confidence in the careers at the department. That's important, and we felt that they should know that. Yeah, that is a very important factor because a lot of these things happen with people who, who go from president to president and they're just doing their job. And and uh, it seems as though so much of that gets politicized in, in this current environment. When you look out at the horizon, you know, uh, 48 hours before the transition of power is completed, what are some of the most important things that are going on at the Pentagon to get President-elect Biden ready and to make sure that the uh, the records of the Trump administration are preserved for history? Well, the most important thing is the, the, in terms of the, the, the transition process regarding interviews and papers and materials requested, that's finished. We hit every, every single marker that the Biden transition team asked of us with a 40% reduction in our workforce. And it surpassed all interviews and all documents produced in prior modern transitions. So wow. the American people should know that. I mean, those are metrics that they put on us and we met. They asked for 200 some interviews. Every single one of those interviews was granted and, and given in full. Wow. Um, they asked for 6,000 pages of documents. We gave them to them. We gave them on laptops too and, and iPads so they wouldn't have to come in due to the COVID situation. We satisfied all this with a uh, uh, shrunken workforce due to the COVID environment and the importance there being that, hey, the American people should know we still got the job done. The second component to that is, is what you see every day on um, if you're out and about in D.C. where it looks like modern day um, Baghdad yes. is the <laughs> we, we have from a cold start mobilized 29,000 National Guard uniformed officers to the District of Columbia. That is the largest and fastest cold start uh, mobilization in modern history, and it is the largest occupation by uniformed officers in D.C. Wow, it's amazing. Yeah, in fact, we have some, we have many more officers and uh, uniform officers in um, Washington than we have in Baghdad and uh, and uh, Afghanistan combined. It is remarkable. And how many days did it take to mobilize it and get that done? Uh, we brought the, that high number in in about two to three days. Wow, wow. And we have to fly people in from all over the country, pick them up out of their lives, provide make sure they were provided for food services. 
you know, you're talking that many people, that's a division um, in the army, basically. And you have to have a setup of a small town to make sure our troops are cared for while they're here on duty, working 12-hour shifts in the freezing cold. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and it has been cold out there, no doubt. The um, yeah. the uh, working for uh, acting uh, defense secretary Miller must be a lot of fun. What what have been? I know there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that people never see, but he's been a very uh, robust and active acting defense secretary. Are there some things that he's done that you think the American people should know that hasn't gotten any attention with all the other things going on in the world? Um, well, yeah, I think there's a lot that he's done, but the, probably the one that the American people don't know about and the one that sticks out the most for the American people is his work in um, around the world going to see the troops. And that was one of the biggest things that he wanted to accomplish was make sure that the men and women in uniform were cared for and knew that they were not forgotten by the leadership in Washington. That's why we went and traveled um in the time we were in office, probably over of, over 100,000 miles wow. um, to see the men and women and feed them during the holidays, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and, and check in on them. And by doing that, the secretary earned a nickname that I don't think he was expecting to or definitely wasn't asking to earn. But uh, the, our men and women downrange call him the soldier secretary. Um, and uh, they love him. When they see him, they interact with him. And these are the career guys that are telling me they've never seen anything like that uh, coming up to the secretary, giving him the patch off their arm. Wow. Um, the unit and sticking them on his bag. And it's just an interaction that uh, <clears throat> you never see. And it's always been Chris's uh, number one priority um, outside of delivering 35 million doses of vaccine for the coronavirus was caring for our, our men and women in uniform. It is. And, and all these things happen in a short period of time because uh, it's really only been since, what, late October, early November that the transition occurred. So he's he's done the deployment in D.C., the transition, the uh, deployment of vaccines and still found time to go across the world and uh, and to meet with our troops. That's a pretty impressive. Uh, and, I have. And, uh, and we were able to wind down three wars. Yeah. As of today, we meet, we meet the metrics in Afghanistan. We're at under twenty five hundred soldiers. Same in Iraq and in Somalia. We're basically at zero. Wow. Um, Isn't that amazing? Yep. Uh, and, and you hardly hear a peep out of, about it in the media, but it's so important. I mean, it was one of the president's signature promises, and you guys have delivered uh, as you head out the door, which is, you know leaves the Biden administration, I assume, a pretty good situation there. Yeah. Uh, from a security standpoint, um, they should be um, very well off, and especially when the soldiers downrange, when we go see them in Afghanistan and you know, the Middle East, Somalia and whatnot, are telling us that the decisions we're making are almost impossible. But these are the guys that have been fighting over there for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and they're telling us it's the right decision to get out. Wow. Uh, that's got to feel very affirming when you hear that. The As you go through the um, the checklist of things that have been done, how important has been just sort of right-sizing the offices and sort of getting the Pentagon into a shape that the next administration you know can just turn the key on and, and, and keep going? There's been a lot of, I think, just everyday common sense uh, reforms made in the last few months, at least from people I'm talking to, that make the Pentagon more efficient. Has that, um, uh, has that been another priority, and, and how has that been going? Yeah, that's been an absolute priority. I mean, we, you always look for... Um, to seek efficiencies in, a, in an organization that big, um, especially when the bill is footed by the American taxpayer. And we did that when I was the principal deputy at DNI right. and eliminated redundancies and sort of streamlined processes. 
we asked our teams, of course, a little bit bigger of an animal with 3.3 million people to do the same, but we were able to do that um, through our undersecretaries and across our civilian leadership. So I think uh, we've left the Biden administration um, in great shape. If you want to talk about a turnkey operation, it's about as close to turnkey as you're going to get because Deputy Secretary Norquist is going to come in as the acting, and that's going to be a seamless transition for them. For however, he's a he's a great American, and he'll serve for however long as uh, America needs him, and he'll do a fine job. He'll continue what Chris and I have uh, have, have done there. Yeah, and that's a really important uh, a really important point. So the um, you played an important role and actually put out a very important timeline that I think informed the American public uh, from the initial narrative of what happened at the tragedy at the Capitol. Uh, but I'll, 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 hearing it in your own words, I think will really benefit our listeners. On January 4th, you guys were offering, the Pentagon, Secretary Miller, at the instruction of the president, were offering National Guard troops and, and, and passing along your own concerns about the potential of violence. Tell us how that went down. And as you look at the original stories that came out and how the history has evolved, um, are, are you satisfied now that the American public have a, has a better understanding of the Defense Department's offer of help early, way before the violence started? Yeah, I think it's now abundantly clear to the American people that, one, the Defense Department can't just send in uniformed, armed military officers into a domestic situation. It's against the law. Um, and that's abundantly clear. We have to be requested to do so by the governor or mayor of D.C. since D.C. is treated like a state right. or a federal agency. We can ask them based on the uh, intelligence picture where that was available to us at the time that, hey, you guys might want to consider X or Y. And it was made abundantly clear by the Capitol Police that we did inform them that they might want to consider asking us to come in early. And that uh, consideration was rejected. <clears throat> And the, the sentiments that were expressed, did they ever give a reason why they didn't think that uh, they needed to help or didn't want the help that it was being offered them? No, it wasn't much of anything. It was just, uh, no thanks, we don't need it. We, we got this covered, right? Yeah. So, And uh, as the day evolved, <clears throat> you talked about the need to suddenly deploy. How did the first 24 hours or even the hours while the violence was going on, um, uh, how, how, what was going on there? You guys were on the phone offering assistance, trying to mobilize. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, once we finally got the request to mobilize, um, we immediately, um, put in our national guard units. And of course that's the key term mobilize. We have to go take these soldiers out of their everyday lives of being husbands and wives and school teachers and firefighters and bring them in. We have to train them real quick to the situation at hand, give them an intelligence brief, it's called JRSIO. <clears throat> and then we have to get them physically into the district. And we were able to do that overnight. Uh, so it was quite impressive, not to mention the fact that we, the Department of Defense, are the ones that put up the no-climb fence structure around the United Capitol. States Capitol. Right. And for whatever reason, that wasn't done beforehand. You know, that's not our role but we came in and after the violence had begun we said we need to establish a clear perimeter once the building is clear but again the entire time our presence was there is there and will be there in the future this is a law enforcement led effort it cannot be a department of defense led effort um and that's because law. of the law right yeah that's what a lot of people don't understand that uh, with posse comitatus and other other laws out there that it's important that the um that the lo local authorities be the requester. 
when you look back now, obviously there's going to be enormous lessons learned like there were after 9-11 or learned after the Russia sure. uh, Russia scandal uh, where the narrative was entirely wrong. Um, what do you think needs to be done to get a more clear picture? What's the most important questions you have in your mind or the defense secretary has in his mind about what happened? Uh, well, first of all, uh, there needs to be a better uh, focus by law enforcement to provide intelligence to the United States Capitol, the Capitol Police, uh, Congress, and whatnot, so they can make better decisions based on actual intelligence. And we're not talking super secret classified intelligence. A lot of this stuff is out there on social media, on the Twitter. Yeah, that's right, out in public. Like so it was available for everybody to digest, and for whatever reason, it wasn't provided or provided in part, and maybe that's the reason why no requests were made, but that's over to them um, to figure out after we do the after-action report on this one. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable because after 9-11, that became sort of the, you know, the call to action, which is whatever you got, get it out quickly. And it appears that, at least by the FBI's accounting right now, when it got early stuff out of Norfolk and other places, and when NYPD got stuff, it went to the Joint Terrorism Task Force in some sort of, you know, generic bulletin, but it didn't really get, you know, uh, the sort of briefing, at least according to the current, you know, uh, timelines, that would really alert the Capitol Police that something uh, bad might be on the imminent horizon. Um, the FBI obviously taking a lot of nicks as we've learned their behavior in the Russia investigation. Are, are they the agency that people should focus most on? Is it the Capitol Police, FBI? Who at the end of the day should have been the intelligence gatherer and alerter? Well, I think it's a, it's a you know, you have to go across the government, federal law enforcement agencies, FBI is obviously our largest and our biggest, and so you have to look at them, you have to look at DHS, you have to look at the uh, Secret Service and the, the Capitol Police, and uh, just look at every entity involved, park police officers and whatnot. And so there's no way to lay blame at any one place, but um, uh, collectively I think there has to be a more synchronized production of intelligence to those making requests, including governors and mayors, our elected officials, um, so that a request for National Guard is done in a timely fashion um, with the realization that we can't just airdrop these people in here like it's yeah. uh, Afghanistan. We have to go get them. Yeah, that's right. They're reservists and, and every, they're often in other walks of life when we when we ask them to serve. So such an important point. Uh, I know you got to get going, Cash. I want to ask you one last question because you were absolutely one of the most important investigators on the House Intelligence Committee. And back in 2018, when you guys uh, with Devin Nunes and, the, and John Radcliffe and others produced the report of of. Uh, the FBI's failures, it was mocked, it was laughed at, it was called uh, fiction. And in two and a half years, since all of these documents have been released, that story has completely flipped. Everything in the 2018 report has been affirmed. And all the things that you know people like um, uh, the Democrats and, and uh, Adam Schiff and others said have been sort of systematically debunked by evidence. The last piece of that puzzle appears to be the president's decision this weekend to declassify um, the remaining documents from the FBI, CIA, and other places. How important is that to you, important to history, that people get a complete and thorough look at, at what you had a chance to look at behind closed doors? Yeah, well, I mean, me personally is always a second to what the American people should should be entitled to, which is um, 
a clarity of what happened and the ability to review uh, documents and have oversight by not just Congress, but by the American people who are beholden to. So I think if the president has continued his declassification uh, of those documents, then, you know, it's always best to let the American people read it themselves yeah. rather than have someone interpret it for them. So uh, that's a great decision. And um, I think slowly, you know, great journalists like yourself will continue to beat that drum so that the American people stay focused on it um, and, and learn our mistakes from the past because we can't have that situation happen again, especially during a presidential cycle. So I think it's extremely important, and I'm, I'm happy to hear that the president's doing that. I just hope uh, the American people take the time to, hey, just read it themselves. Uh, give it a quick look and see, see who said what when and then see who is right and hold some people accountable. Yeah, that's well, what it's all about at the end of the day. Well, there's no doubt the fact base that you put into the report has turned out to be affirmed in ways that I think many people uh, on the left and even in the center were uncertain of given all the attacks at the time. But it has been not only vindicated, it has been completely authenticated, everything that you did. And so a lot of great work there. And I hope our listeners appreciate that. When you're sitting on when you're sitting on the porch one day with your grandchildren, you look back at this moment <laughs> and you're, you're finally out of the line of fire uh, at 30,000 feet. What really is the failure or, or the, the scandal at the heart of the Russia collusion um, uh, fake scandal? When you're going to tell it to your grandchildren, what, what did you really help uncover? Man, I don't, that's a great question, John. Right now, I can't see past Wednesday, but um, <laughs> if I'm taking a quick snapshot of it. Uh, the thing that drove me most as a terrorism prosecutor, as a public defender, as a uh, civilian in the military at JSOC, and now here at DOD as a chief of staff, um, the American people rely on us to provide them with accountability when people outside of government uh, break the law or fail to uphold the standards of, of, of their uh, ethos. Well, it should be equally applied, if not more harshly applied, to people within government. And the lack of accountability has been a constant only for the very few, not to chastise the group, but the very few. And, and the um, crime and unethical conduct of some, some individuals um, has always been driving force for me to uncover for the American people because that's what it's all about. If they can't have accountability inside of our most important agency, then it's hypocritical of us to executed um, against the American public. Ah, such a great point. Such a great point, Cash. Thank you so much. All right. Well, I know we're going to let you go, and uh, we wish you well. Do you? Uh, what's in the immediate future for Cash Patel? Maybe a few hours of sleep? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'll take a lot of sleep and maybe uh, maybe a quiet week or two skiing. That sounds like a good plan after all the hard work you've done. Well, thank you for your service to your country. It's been a pleasure uh, over the last few years getting to know you and work uh with you in, in all these capacities and we wish you well and gonna get you back on the show once you once you settle into your new job thanks john i appreciate all the time and all your hard work uh and i uh, hope your uh, listeners will uh, keep listening to your your great reporting yeah i hope so too thanks a lot cash all right have a good one folks we're gonna go to a quick commercial break and when we come back we'll wrap things up for the day okay it's time to commit 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. 
Bite Clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, that wraps it up after an incredible conversation with my good friend and good patriot, uh, Cash Patel. Such an important job he's played over the last several years in different roles at the Pentagon, at the Federal Prosecutor's Office, at the White House, and of course at the House Intelligence Committee in Congress. Somebody who's made a huge difference. You might not have known his name. Now you know why he's so important. You know his name. You know his perspective. You hear his skill in this interview. We're so lucky that he blessed us with a little bit of time when he's in his final 48 hours, a very busy time at the Pentagon. He took the time to talk to us and help make sense of all that's going on. All right. Right, stay tuned tonight and tomorrow. I'm pretty confident by tomorrow's podcast, we will have a large cache of documents, a large trove of the final declassified documents from the president of the United States, from the White House. Go to justthenews.com tonight. You'll hear the latest from us. We'll be expediting as quickly as we can to get you the information you've long been waiting for. Uh, all right, until then, may God bless you. May God bless this great country of America. And let's all get ready to have that peaceful transition of power in America that we call Inauguration Day. Until tomorrow, you've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where we give you our best for a peaceful, pleasant, and blessed night with your family and loved ones.